Good morning, Ohana Church. So if you know anything about me personally, I love Christmas. Anybody in here love Christmas over here? Where are you at? Where are you at? Yeah, we all love Christmas. But for me, my thing is Christmas decorations. Uh, my wife has already told me I'm not allowed to put up Christmas decorations until October 12th, I believe it is, for some reason. Um, so, but I would keep them up from September till March. And so Christmas decorations bring me joy. So two weeks ago, I was, I was off from the church. And so me and my wife and my family all went to Kona. We stayed in this nice little house, third story. But the neighbor down the street had a yard sale. Now I went out to my balcony one morning. And I looked down. I was like, hey, that looks like a Christmas tree box. Yes, sir, because that means I get to go home and put up a Christmas tree because she won't say no to the kids. So I was like, honey, I'm going to go look at this Christmas tree. And she's like, do what you wish. And so, so I went and, and bought this Christmas tree. Yes, it's beautiful, yes? Until I went home and plugged it in. And when I went home and plugged it in, I had a problem. This section didn't light up at all. So I was like, junk. Did I just waste my money on rubbish? Because the things that bring me joy is having the glory of Christmas. And when you have something that only shows half the glory, it's kind of rubbish. The excitement in my life that my heart felt for my kids, for myself really, when I got to buy this Christmas tree and set it up, it all diminished because it wasn't complete. See, we're going to learn about another tree this morning, another false tree. Just like this is kind of a tree, but it's not really used for Christmas anymore. It could be a decoration for church or something. But we're going to learn about another false tree. So if you could turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Here at Ohana Church, we're an exposition preaching church, which means we go through books of the Bible verse by verse. We believe that is the way to, to use the Word of God in its correct content, context. So we, we started a series called Life with Jesus, and that's what we're going to be preaching today. The heart of the series is Christianity is all about relationships. Can I get an amen? amen. Our relationship with Christ our relationship to his church, and our relationship to others. So that's the heart of the series. So if you could stand with me in the reading of God's word, we will be in Mark chapter 11. <clears throat> Mark chapter 11, verse 12. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. Who is he? Jesus. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if, it could, if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit of you again. And his disciples heard it. Now jump with me to verse 20. And as they passed by the morning, 
by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered what and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt it in his heart, but believes that that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have uh, believe what you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you of your trespasses. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. May we have the Holy Spirit indwell us so our ears can hear, that our hearts may receive. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. These two sections of scripture are really about one thing. And that's what I want us to talk about today. It's that Jesus crushes hypocrisy. We see this in the beginning in verse 12. On the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry and seeing in the distance a fig tree. The first thing we see is that Jesus is hungry. How many of you have been hungry before? If you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. (laughs) Some of us are hungry too much, like myself. Some scholars believe that at this point in Jesus' life, he hadn't eaten for a day and a half. It was a late night, and if you remember, so this first part of the scripture is what Zeke preached two weeks ago. So this was the triumphal entry. And then at that moment, if you look up at verse 11, and he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. So they say Jesus didn't eat that full first day. And so he rose the next day and he was hungry. So he saw the fig tree in the distance. So just like any hungry person would, they go. They, yeah, <laughs> they go and take, he tries to take the fruit. But when he, received, he, he goes there, he notices that the, there was no fruit. It had leaves, but no fruit. It was a hypocrite tree. So then what does Jesus do next? Jesus took action. You know, at this point, when you, when you think you're about to get food and you're hungry, it, it switches from being hungry to being hangry. Who's ever been hangry? I've had my wife give me Snicker bars before because I was hangry. If you get the commercial, there, there you go. Jesus was hangry. But something's interesting in this passage of Scripture. It says it was not the season for fruit. Trees, when fig trees bloom, the fruit starts off with the leaves. But it's really small, it's bitter. So my question for us this morning is, why does trees have leaves? What's the purpose? There's some teachers in here, come on. What's the purpose of leaves on trees? Photosynthesis, I heard it. It helps the tree breathe, but it also gives food for the tree. That's the purpose of leaves. So if the tree is telling us it has fruit by having the leaves on the tree, but produces no fruit, what use is that tree to us? 
There is none. There is none. So in return, Jesus curses that tree in verse 14. May no one ever eat of you again. And then the next day, in verse 21, Peter came back and said, Rabbi, look, that's the tree that you cursed. So it fulfilled the purpose. It fulfilled what God commanded it to do. You see, when God speaks, when Jesus speaks, things happen. See, but, but sometimes these things, like in this passage of Scripture, this is not the easy part of Jesus. You see, this is the only miracle of a curse that we see in Scripture. In the Synoptic Gospels, we never see Jesus curse anything and it come to pass. See, we like the Jesus that heals. We like the Jesus that turns the blind man and makes them see. We like the Jesus that turns the deaf to hear. We like the Jesus that makes the lame walk. We like the Jesus that gets the party lit by turning water into wine. We like that Jesus. But see, this is not the Jesus that we come accustomed in American church. We do not know this Jesus because this is not the tree hugger Jesus that we see on pictures on the wall. Because this Jesus exposes, it cuts, but it brings reality back into check. Listen to this. This is what a scholar said about this. T.W. Mason says this. It is the tale of a miraculous power wasted in the service of ill temper. For the supernatural energy employed to blast the unfortunate tree might have been used more usefully expanding in a forced crop of figs out of season. And as it stands, is simply incredible. Why do we not like this, Jesus? Because we expect Jesus to resurrect the tree. We expect Jesus to bring that tree back to life. Why does this hurt our gut so much? Because it exposes who we are. At our core, we are dead, just like that tree. Because we know by ourselves, we do not produce fruit. We cannot produce fruit like the, like the fig tree. We are hypocrites. We are all hypocrites. Because even the atheist that says there is no God, he's a hypocrite because he, he was created in the image of God. So in the same breath that he breathes in the image of God, he exhales and says, curse you, God. He's a hypocrite. We all come into this world as hypocrites. But we should know this is not ill temper on Jesus. Amen? This is not ill temper on Jesus like Brother Mason said, whoever this guy is. See, we want him to, we want Jesus to have, to force the crop of figs. But this is not ill temper. But it's about a lesson. It's about a lesson of the tree itself. See, in life, there's all lessons. Mark is a, a book based on parables, which is lessons that Jesus taught. So he's using this fig tree, just like this tree, as an illustration. What is that illustration? Well, 
There's seven lessons we can learn from the hypocrisy of this fig tree. That's what I want us to share, share with you this morning. Why do we need to learn from this fig tree so we don't end up like the fig tree? So we don't end up, as even we prayed this morning, Matthew 7, when we get to heaven and said, depart, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So seven lessons we learn from this fig tree so we don't end up like the fig tree. First one is life. We see life in the fig tree. We see two types of life. We see Jesus' life. We see the 100% humanity of Jesus. Jesus was hungry, just like every single one of us at some point in our lives. By the end of this message, we all might be hungry. The fig tree represents life because of its fruit and the purpose of it for humanity. You see, does the tree consume its own fruit? No. The tree produces fruit for the other animals in in the world. So even the wild pigs here in Hawaii that love the guava tree. The, f- the fruit is produced for others. See, food sustains us and it keeps us alive. This reveals the 100% humanity of Christ. But this also reveals where we are in our state when we come into this world. As a lost person, do you still breathe? Yeah. But are you alive? Mm. You're dead in your spirit. So there's life, but not spiritual life. Which, re- which pushes us to point number two, death. Look at verse 14. Jesus curses the fig tree by saying, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And then verse 20, Peter confirms it. So what is this death about? Well, we got to refer back to the message last week. What happened last week in Kahuzik's message? Jesus cleansed the temple, which is the portion of Scripture that is in between the two passages I read. Where Jesus went in and overturned tables and and threw everyone out of the temple because they were not glorifying God. This story is an analogy of what's going on in the temple because I read it before in the first passage in verse 11. The first night of the triumphal entry, Jesus, the first place he went was the temple. He saw it with his own eyes. All the tables set up. It's like Mary Monarch when everybody, all the tables are set up overnight, expecting a good haul the next day. Jesus saw it. He knew what was going on. So then it comes to the fig tree, and I'm about to curse the temple. So the fig tree represents two things here. First off is Israel's condition. What, G, uh, what Kawazik preached last week with the cursing of the temple when he cleared everybody out. The secondly is false conversions. That's how it applies to our life today. Are we falsely converted? Are we that fig tree? You see, the appearance of the fig tree, the, the fig tree appeared to have fruit on the tree. You know, when you step far away from things, things look glamorous. The temple looks glamorous. But when you get up close and personal, it's ugly. There's Opala in there. There's trash going on. So how does our lives reflect with that? 
Yeah, we can all clean up and go to church on Sunday. But the grind on Thursday evening or Friday evening when all you want to do is escape, so you choose whatever avenue of escape you have, that's what you really are. But see, the things that we forget is that Jesus remembers that. Jesus is with us in that. He sees those things. He's not just here on Sunday morning. He's with us forever. You see, when the, the leaves and the fruit start, they look the same. So Jesus went up close to it, and it revealed its true identity. My question for us to this morning is, are you a tree with just leaves, or are you a tree that bears fruit? See, you can come to church on Sunday morning. You know what that gets you? Nutrients. It's a leaf. You can read your Bible every day. You know what that is? Nutrients. It's a leaf. You can pray. You can fast. You can do whatever you want to do. And all you got is a big bush of trees. Well, the scary part is, is some of you in this room, some of you on social media post sermons, clips of sermons from pastor that, that don't point you to fruit. He points you to the fig tree. You got to do this, this, and this in order to get your life right. You got to read your Bible every day and pray this prayer, and you got to send me money. Hey, let's start a ministry like that. You like that? Like, but that's not the true gospel. That's a false gospel. That's pointing you to death and destruction. Christ cursing the fig tree was also symbolic of what would happen with him running people out of the temple for their hypocrisy. Turn with me to uh, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. When I read this to you, it will be up on the screen also, but when I read this to you, think about Hilo. Think about the city that you live in. Verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Is it a difficult time in coronavirus 2020? It's not, po- there's not prosperity like some preachers preach, like I was talking about earlier. For there will be, for some pe- for people will be lovers of self. I come from the generation that invented the selfie. The generations after me perfected the selfie. Look, they love self. There's no reasons for some of the angles y'all put on Instagram. Except for you're a lover of self. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. The fig tree. The fig tree. Avoiding, avoid such people. How many could be honest? Don't raise your hands, but how many of you could be honest and say, that's me? That is me. And Paul's telling us to avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sin and lead astray by various passions, 
always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jamboris opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith were disqualified. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as it was to those two men. Death. Death is around us. That leads us to the third point. Hope. Hope. What's the hope in this passage? After Peter told Jesus, look, the fig tree. Look at the fig tree. What you said withered to its roots. Verse 22. And Jesus answered them. Our hope is that Jesus answers them. It's the one thing to get an answer. It's even greater when you have the source of, the, of life giving you that answer. Listen to me. God, in Genesis, God said trees were good. In Genesis, he said the animals were good. What happened? The fall. And then Jesus cursed it. But when we get answers to the problem from the source, the one that said it was good and then reversely cursed it, that is a credible source. See, the hope of glory is not that God remained passive in our state. Listen to this. That our hope is not that God remained passive in our state of sin and death, but he became active by sending his son in eternity past, making a covenant of redemption, saying, I'm sending you on behalf of these measly people to bring life back to them. That is our hope, that God the Father made a pact with God the Son, saying, they need you. They can't do it by themselves. So we went to the cross. That's what hope does. It empowers us. It conquers fear. It makes us dangerous. Are we dangerous this morning? Are we dangerous for the gospel? Are you banking everything on the hope of Christ crucified and resurrected? The hope of glory. It's the remedy. Here's what the remedy. Why? The reason we have hope is because we have a remedy to our situation. Which is point number four, faith. Jesus tells his disciples here, the answer. What's the answer? Have faith in God. Have faith in God. You see, faith is used over 240 times in the Bible. Most of the time, it's this faith, like it is here, is received. It's pistis. We learn about this a lot in our study of Mark, and through our study of the Ephesians, that this word in the Greek is pistis, which is feminine. For by grace you have been saved through faith, which is a gift from God, not of your own works. Grace and faith are received here. See, this is not saying that you should muster up enough faith. Muster up enough faith to be complete. It's saying that only the faith that God provides can get you over this. 
Listen to what uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says. Faith always has an element of assurance, certainty, and confidence. An evidential value validating the thing that we hope for. With faith, there is no strain or tension. Rather, it is the element of assurance and confidence in it. If there is strain or tension uh, trying to persuade yourself to, to keep from doubting, you can be quite assured that it is not faith. For faith is not the law of mathematical probability. Faith is not natural. Faith is spiritual. The gift of God. You cannot command faith at all. Faith is always something that is given in throughout by God. Therefore, if you want to be a man of faith, it always it will always be the result of becoming a certain type of person. The person who operates with faith has experienced the gospel. Have you experienced the gospel this morning? Because here's the result of faith. We can ask big things. We can ask big things. You know what the glory of this is? That we got to pray this morning as Kahu's out under that tent right there in the non-AC, but glory, hallelujah, that we can ask big things from God and expect them to happen. We can ask big, we can ask God to rescue the nation of Japan from the spiritual darkness. We can ask God to send missionaries to Indonesia, where one of the hardest places to get the gospel to in the world, and we can have faith in that. Look what these verses says, Mark eleven twenty three 23 and 24. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says comes to pass, it will be done for him. How many of you have ever asked Monica to jump into the sea? Therefore, I tell you, whether, whether you ask in prayer, believe what you have received, and it will be yours. This is a passage of Scripture taken out of context a lot. You know, because I've pray, prayed really hard over a Lamborghini before. <laughs> Thanks for the laugh. It's easy to take it out of text because the meaning, this faith that we're talking about is the advancement of the gospel and nothing else. It's talking about the advancement of the gospel. When I said we prayed, what did I pray for? The kingdom of God to be advanced around the world. We can't pray for our personal things. Why? Because we're the fig tree. This is from the men's group Tuesday. In our, in our reading plan, as we go through 1 Corinthians, this is what stuck out to me. 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. When I started studying this faithful, it's a different word than what we're normally used. We're, we're used to the word pistis. This word is pistos, which is both by God. Because God is faithful. He is the one giving us faith so they are both in his possession. You see, we can have faith in God because he is the only one faithful. He is faithful. Listen to this. And as a, as a culture, as a culture here more so than anywhere else, I shared this out, outside earlier. We kind of, sometimes we have a messed up view of faithfulness. You see, 
this, this tree is not faithful. It's anytime I unplug it and plug it back in, it's not going to miraculously start working. But it's loyal. It's not going to go anywhere until Dave moves it this afternoon. It's going to stay where it's at. Listen to these verses. Listen to this. On the difference between faithful and loyal. The main difference between these words, the words loyal and faithful, is mainly in the intensity of the attributes that carry along with the two terms. It's the intensity of the word itself is the main difference. The term loyal refers to the uh, affiliation and allegiance towards someone or something, i.e. people, organization, sect, country, church. On the basis of returned benefit and assistance. Whereas the term faithful, moreover, focuses upon the self-devotion and givingness of everything to anyone or towards anything without consideration of anything in return. What does that mean? Bold down. Loyal, you're looking for something in return. Faithful, you're not. You see, the only one faithful is Jesus. Because when he went to the cross, when God made that Packed in eternity past, the covenant of redemption saying, you are going to go to the cross for, to die for my people. When he did that, there was nothing in return. Jesus did that basically on the relationship between us and God the Father, that we might come in between God the Father and us and reconcile us back together. You see, the only one that can do that is God because he's faithful. Which leads us to the fifth point. The fifth point is important because prayer is the only communication to a faithful God. Prayer. Your God is faithful to you, and our communication back to him is prayer. See, we should be desperate for Christ. Everyone in this room should be desperate for Christ because we are a broken tree. We should receive the curse the tree got. Our penalty should be the same, destruction. See, but prayer is different. Prayer is more than getting stuff from God. Most of the time, our prayer life is a wish list. But see, prayer is actually to sink our hearts with God's hearts. That's why we can do what the verses before said, verse 24, verse 23. Because when we're in sync with verse 23, guess what? God placed Monica exactly where it's at for a reason. He doesn't want it in the sea. So when my heart aligns with his, he doesn't want to move that mountain. He wants me to, to do the will, which is expand the kingdom of God. But here, here's the reason for prayer in our verses today. Prayer entunes our heart with God, but it also leads us to forgiveness. That's, that's lesson number six, is forgiveness. Look at the final verse, verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against you, against anyone, so your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. Mark eleven twenty-five. 25. You know what this verse reminds me of? What does this verse remind me of? 
on the cross when our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, said this, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is the most liberating gift that we have been entrusted with with the Lord. It takes us from a broken branch, from death, as Ephesians 2 says, into life. Forgiveness. When we live the life of of forgiveness, we are lining our lives up with the gospel. It brings us, when, when we live that way, the overflow of that is relationship with others. Forgiveness. Which brings us to the last one. The perfect seven, as Kahuzik said in the, in the message to, or in generosity today. Christ. Specifically our need for him. I also looked up this. What are the main reasons trees don't bear fruit? What is the main reason a tree doesn't bear fruit? It's how they're rooted. It's how they're rooted. It's it's about the root system more so than the leaves. So my question is, what are you rooted in today? Do you find fulfillment in the relationship with Christ? Are you finding fulfillment in other things in your life? You know, what you're rooted in is it can be told by your time spent. What what's the main thing your time spent is spent on? Look, NFL season, football season just started up. I can spend a lot of time watching football. What are your priorities in life? What is your money? What's your money situation? If we check your bank account, most of the time, the most, whatever the thing that takes the most money is your priority. See, just like this Christmas tree, just like this Christmas tree, once you find life with Christ, you are complete. You are complete. See, what I didn't tell you about this Christmas tree is me being the the sucker I am and 10 bucks is a lot of money. I found the issue. I found the issue with the Christmas tree. But your life will never reflect the glory of God until you have relationship with him. Until you are rooted and responsible in that relationship, you've missed the mark. Listen to what verse 14 says again. May no one eat fruit from you ever again. May no one eat fruit from you ever again. What does that mean? Last week, Jesus cleansed the temple. I have a question. Do we go to the temple now to pray every year? Do we as Christians have any involvement with the temple of God? No. It was destroyed. It was destroyed after Jesus was crucified. It has no precedent on our spiritual state now like it did before. We don't eat of that fruit anymore. Then we also learned this was about false converts. Look at what Revelations 2 says. This is the church of Ephesus. Verses 4 and 5. 
But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that that you did first. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand. The chapter later, in chapter 3, to another church, he says this, Jesus speaking. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Why do we preach these hard sermons? Whether you're a member of Ohana Church, a visitor, the BCM, because my role as a kahu, as a pastor, is that you hear the truth, you, you experience Christ, and then that, on that judgment day, that we might not hear, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Because guess what happens? The tree that has a bunch of leaves... And no fruit on that day says, I, cur- I, I cast out demons in your name. I went to church every Sunday. I led Sunday school. I led a community group. I did all these things. And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Think about that. Think about where we are. Because without the relationship with Christ, that is what we are. The last passage in Revelations, Revelations 22 Listen to this, because if you are glorified, if you are abiding in Christ, this is what, this is what Jesus happened. Well, this is what happens with Jesus. Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one of what he has done. Guess what? If we are in Christ, we don't point to ourselves. We don't point to the fruit that's on our own tree. We get to say, Jesus has applied his fruit to me. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the faith in the gospel. Is that he, we take on his fruit. And then he says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus wins. If you have a relationship with Christ, you win. If you are abiding in Christ, you win. So how do we respond today? We respond easily. Trust in Jesus. Have a relationship with Jesus. He is the only one that can bear fruit in your life. He is the only one that can give you fruit. So you must abide in him. And he will bear much fruit in you. So as the band comes.